Testing, testing, one, two, three, four, and we're back, baby, with Thoughts of an Addict. I am your grateful recovering host, M, and I am super stoked to be back. Granted, yes, listening ship is at an all-time low, which didn't seem conceivable, but here we are now, and I often just have to remind myself, well... People didn't like Elvis at first. Don't know how that relates to this podcast, but here we are. And I really, really am happy to be back here. Last two weeks have been egregiously busy with school and recruiting and a bunch of other silly things. But here we are. And I've had people actually reaching out to me saying, hey, M." When are you gonna when are you gonna do another one of those podcasts? And I'm like, damn, maybe there are people out there who like like what I'm putting out there. And yeah, just wanted to personally thank everybody who has been so supportive of me on this journey, encouraging me to keep going. And my schedule has actually just blown wide open. I just finished doing this teaching this teaching thing that was taken up. A lot of my time, super happy that I did it, super transformative experience, but now I have a lot more time to work on the podcast, so you're going to be hearing M's voice a lot more, if that's what you wanted, and if that's not what you wanted, then what the hell are you doing listening right now? And not only are we back, but we're about to have our first guest, that's right baby, just when you thought Thoughts of an Addict was coming to an end, we're just getting started. And actually, the guest that I'm going to have on next week, the person who found me actually had to go through hell and high water searching through the streets of Valhalla to try to find out who I was. And that's not cool. So I actually decided to make an email for this podcast. So if you want to reach out to me, if you want to be on the show, if you want to ask me questions, if you want to say an affirmation, if you want to say that I suck, that's cool too. Go ahead and shoot me an email at thoughtsofanaddictshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thoughtsofanaddictshow at gmail.com. All right, that was a lot of mumbo jumbo. Why don't we dive into the actual episode now? So this is the 10th episode. Can't believe that I've made it this far, but here I am. And today... I actually wanted to talk about my own story a little bit more. I feel like there's probably some value in sharing my own story to the addict that still suffers or to the person who's just curious about what the hell addicts actually go through. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my story into rock bottom and then how this idea of rock bottom actually relates to getting clean in this process. So my rock bottom starts with a nurse violently shaking me awake as she says, Hey, Em, do you know how lucky you are to be alive right now? Do you even know where you are? To which I respond, uh, Los Angeles? And she says, No, Em, you're in Las Vegas right now. So... That's how I knew that I had arrived at rock bottom. So let me give you a little context around this this 
a little sad story here. I had started a Sunday or a Saturday. Don't know what day it was. Like I normally would. I would be ingesting drugs, drinking a little bit just to cope with the pain of my existence. And I got on a Greyhound one way to Vegas, apparently. And there I met up with a few of my friends and I was with them for only a matter of minutes before we separated. And I guess I had passed out in a bush within minutes from the absolutely offensive amount of drugs that I was taking. And a homeless man actually found me struggling, gasping for air in a bush. And he called over a security guard. And the security guard calls 911. I get rushed to the hospital. In the hospital, I'm barely breathing. I, the nurse the next day told me that I sounded like a fish, just, just absolutely gasping for air, trying to exist. And the doctor had to put something down my throat, I guess. I obviously wasn't conscious for this. I had no idea what the hell was going on. And apparently I gained consciousness. And while the doctor is trying to restore me to health, I'm screaming at him. Let me die. Let me fucking die. And... Whew. And I didn't die. And I'm here. I'm here talking to all of you. And so obviously the doctor comes and talks to me about this the next day. And I'm immediately put into the psychiatric ward. You know, for trying to kill myself. Clearly I'm a danger to myself. I'm a danger to others. I'm not totally sure if that was a suicide attempt, they certainly thought it was. Me screaming, let me die. That would that would be some evidence that it was. And the mindset I was in that morning wasn't too different. The mindset that I was in during that time was, wow, life fucking sucks. Nothing is ever going to get better. Thank God I have drugs to lean on. And if I take too many drugs and I die, then eh, that's fine. If I don't take too many drugs and I don't die, eh, that's cool too. Life is just barely, barely feels like it's worth living because at least there's drugs there. So I'm in the psychiatric ward staring at the wall, thinking that things are never going to get better. And this... This, my friends, this is where you probably think, okay, this was rock bottom for M. This is where he turned everything around. He went to Narcotics Anonymous the next day, and this was the start of his recovery journey. And if you thought that, boom, you're wrong. In fact, I was laying there, and I was thinking, all right, now I'm really, really going to go hard with the drugs. I'm not dead now, but this whole experience just showed me how shitty my life really had gotten. This was a mirror into how bad things were. 
And my response to how bad things were was not, okay, let's make them better. It's like, all right, it's already shit. Now we can really just go all out. This is, this is it. This is as low as I'm going to be. So might as well just say fuck all. And so for the next three months after I had left that psychiatric ward, I kept doing drugs. And in fact, I was doing even more than before. And I didn't think anything was going to change. I thought I was just going to stay on this path until I had deceased. Okay. But one night I was, uh, I was with a really, really good friend of mine, Crisp, and we were in my room and out of the blue, my mother starts pounding on the door. She says, Hey, Crisp, please, please save my son. Talk some sense into him. He won't listen to us. And I'm just yelling at my mom. I say, Mom, Mom, I don't need help. Everything's fine. Of course, the cat was out of the bag from the whole Vegas incident and the multiple other times I ended up in the hospital. But that's a story for another podcast. And I tell her, Mom, Mom, Chris ain't going to help me. M doesn't need any help. And then her frustration just turns into bawling. Ah, this poor woman. Just hysterical tears. As she says to me, M, M, your father and I are in the backyard right now. We've got an extra shovel. And we're digging your grave. We don't want to do it all on our own. If you're going to do this to us, at least help us out while we're digging up your grave. And she is just hysterically crying. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, fuck. Okay, like, I'm fine if my life has gone to complete shit. You know, maybe I'm hurting others along the way as well. And... I was in such a depraved state that I didn't really care about the people that I was hurting. But not not my mama, okay? The person who loves me most in the world, the person who's fucking given me everything, who's given me maybe the only reason I have to live. Oh, God. To, to hear in her voice the pain that I was putting her through, it was just way too much for me. It was just too much. I had the most visceral emotional reaction to hearing my mother bawling because of me. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I had to try to get clean. I didn't care about my own life. My own life was shit. Okay? It was depraved. I only used to live. And I lived to use. And... I had just turned into this beast creature whose only purpose in life was to get that fucking dopamine pumping out of my ear holes. But I, in that moment, 
had a reason to get clean, a real reason to get clean. And that, and that was so I never had to hear my mother bawling like that again. And the next day I went to Narcotics Anonymous and the rest is history. And here I am a little more than five years later living to tell, tell the tale to all of you. Rock bottom, yeah. It's interesting how that works, right? Because I would have definitely thought from an outsider's perspective, oh, that time where he went to the Las Vegas hospital without being there, that's got to be rock bottom, right? But no, but no. For me, rock bottom was when I had created an extremely negative emotional reaction in the person I cared most about in the world. People ask me all the time. They ask me, Em, I have this friend, I have this family member. They want to get clean, but they're not so sure. Or they say they're obviously an addict, but they won't admit it. And usually, and unfortunately, my answer is, well, yeah. Usually you got to hit rock bottom before you make an actual change. Because if you're able to keep living with drugs and you haven't reached a breaking point, well, then why would you change anything? If you aren't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's what rock bottom is. It fucking breaks you. And maybe for a lot of people, rock bottom is a very personal experience. Maybe you're climbing out from behind a dumpster while the sun's coming up. But for me personally, my rock bottom was really viscerally damaging the woman that I care about most, the person that I care about most, along with my father, in my entire life. I can't define anyone's rock bottom for them. And this is important too. You can't define rock bottom for anybody else. If you have someone in your life who you think is struggling with addiction and it seems like they've hit rock bottom, well, maybe they haven't. If they haven't changed yet, then clearly they haven't hit their rock bottom yet. And if you think that you've hit your rock bottom, if you're an addict and you think you've hit rock bottom and you're still using, I'll tell you what, friend, it can go lower. It can go lower. And I don't want you to get there. Okay? This addiction thing, it ends in three ways. Okay? It's jails, institutions, or death. Oh my. Or you recover. It's that simple. It gets progressively worse until you hit that rock bottom. So please, please, if you're an addict, take my word for it. Don't wait for you to hit that rock bottom. Let my story be your inspiration, your motivation, your whatever the fuck to go get the help that you need now. Don't wait to hit rock bottom because it's waiting for you. And you don't need to get all the way to that point to get clean. 
Anyways, that was some heavy shit. Sorry that my first episode in two weeks was pretty fucking grim, but there's hope out there. There is so much hope out there. There's so much goodness out there. And if you're deep, deep in the grips of active addiction, there's a way out. There is a way out. And once you make it out, once you start climbing out of that rock bottom, out of that hole, oh my god, the gifts of this life, the gifts of this world, it'll transcend anything that you ever thought possible. Whew! It is good to be back. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back more often than I was before. We're having guests soon. And I just cannot wait to continue to tell my story, hopefully provide some hope, provide some life to people that are still suffering. Hope everybody has an absolutely beautiful rest of your day. This is M. This is Thoughts of an Addict. Out.